Welcome to Digest and Invest, the podcast from eToro that brings you the top financial stories and discusses their effect on the markets. The content that will be discussed is intended for information and educational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or investment recommendation. Make sure you understand the risks involved in trading before committing any capital and never risk more than you are prepared to lose. Past performance is not an indication of future results. And now on to the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome for another episode of the Digest and Invest podcast. As usual, I'm joined by Josh Gilbert, based out in Sydney, Australia, light in his background, dark in mine. Um, Josh, how are you? I'm very good, Sam. Very good. How are you, my friend? Yeah, not bad. How's, how's the week been, weekend been? All good? Yeah, good. Yeah, I went to the Sydney Derby at the weekend, actually. Rugby um, league, AFL? No, nah, football, mate. Football. football. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't that, believe that, it, that, that be big honest. derby that I clearly don't know about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Sydney FC versus uh, Western Sydney Wanderers. Tell you what, though, not that a bad good. turnout. Yeah. 35,000. Wow. Can't complain with that, can you? So, That's really good. Yeah, it was good. Um, but yeah, uh, it was good. The game was most exciting, though, I must admit. It was, <laughs> we, Sydney FC lost 1 0. But uh, yeah, good. How is how's London town? What's news there? Yeah, no, all good. I went to England, Japan in the rugby on, on Saturday, um, which, well, I mean, literally, England won, scored 50 odd points, but it wasn't the most interesting game, I have to say. But a win's a win. Uh, and England play New Zealand this weekend. So for the rugby fans, that'll be a, a blockbuster Saturday uh, ahead. On the podcast this week, we're actually going to talk a little bit about the World Cup. We can kick off with that, um, with some predictions. So if you're listening at home at the gym or on your way to work or you're driving around and you hate football, fast forward now. Just give it, yeah. I don't know, a couple of minutes. Just, just... Yeah, fast forward. Uh, our other subjects are going to be on Amazon, who have been in the news regarding layoffs. I think most people would have, would have heard that that headline by now. I've got mates messaging me, funnily enough, just talking about that. We've also got UK inflation, which literally just before we came on this podcast came out. Uh, and then we can just do a little bit of a wrap of the US earnings. Sound good? Yep, perfect. I mean, we couldn't not get some football chat in there, could we? Especially uh, especially with the World Cup just around the corner. But yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, absolutely not. Okay, well, look, to, to begin the World Cup and, and just to balance the books, because if there are some people that are listening and don't like football, you know, but aren't going to fast forward because they, you know, they love the podcast so much. And uh, especially we'll... because our CEO probably listened to this and maybe our head of content probably listened to this as well. So <laughs> yeah, level it out, don't we? Yeah, let's get some financials out there just uh, so people can can talk about it. Uh, Revenue-wise, it is expected that uh, by FIFA that they will top the $5.4 billion from the Russia 2018 World Cup. Uh, and that means their 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 target will be reached, which is six point four billion, which is incredible, really. Qatar spent two hundred and twenty billion dollars on the tournament, but get this, it's only anticipating seventeen billion in economic impact. Uh, obviously, Qatar had to build all of these stadiums, and they haven't got all the hotels ready. I think they're putting like um rooms on the in the desert and, and stuff like that sounds little pretty, shipping containers i think yeah sounds pretty interesting uh but however you know p- tickets have been sold fifa has already sold around 240,000 hospitality packages nearly 3 million tickets 
and the broadcasting rights, just from a US perspective, Fox and Telemundo purchased rights to the 2018 and 2022 World Cup tournaments back in 2011, so 11 years ago, for reported $1 billion combined. It's it's a massive tournament. It's the most watched uh, in the world of sporting events. So I'm looking forward to it more now than I was a week ago. I have to say it wasn't really on my radar, but it is now. Yeah, I mean, especially in Australia, when you have the times of the football, it's pretty hard. I mean, I'm going to be watching these games at 6 a.m., um so it's not exactly the most exciting but hopefully if england make it all the way i will be back in london so i think we might even be we might even be together for a game sam if we get that far we will get that far yeah so when we do get that far we could we could just record the digest and invest podcast at the england no yeah um (laughs) but yeah look i mean when we when we look at the, the the rights selling it that early um I think it's crazy. I think it's interesting, really, more than anything. I mean, I know both of these World Cups were the cause of a lot of controversy. There's obviously sure. a Netflix documentary at the moment. Um, fantastic if if anyone hasn't watched it's it. Been- and and essentially that they're selling ahead of time to keep FIFA afloat is what sort of I got gained from the documentary, um, amongst other things. But those those rights, you know, if we're talking about investments, that is a, 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 yeah. an absolute, you know, amazing investment right there. Over 10 years later, so if we think about advertising revenue that those companies are going to make during that time, so Fox and Telemundo, what the Super Bowl did half a billion dollars in the one event, you know, this year or last year, mm. the World Cup surely going to see more surely. more viewers over a four-week period. So it's going to be huge. You know, we're talking billions and billions of dollars for for Fox and Telemundo. So yeah, that was a, a pretty good investment by the way. I, I agree. And, and actually just from a... A trading perspective, but also investing perspective. The World Cup is a distraction for markets. You've got to imagine there's going to be over the course of the tournament three billion eyes and more on on this. When and certainly when England play, the volume in markets is going to be significantly lower. Markets will be a lot more liquid during the big games. If we go back to 2018, I used to trade futures pound against the US dollar. And a lot of people would have heard me tell this story before, but England played Croatia in the semi-final. We all know how that ended. But anyway, usually at each price for the pound against the US dollar, you'd had 50, 60 contracts. When England were playing Russia, at some prices you had zero orders, buy or sell orders at each price. No one was trading the market. And that was an 8 p.m. kickoff. So it yeah. still was. It wasn't like it was like two, three a.m. in the morning. Um, so just bear that in mind. If it's one p.m. next Monday UK time, and you want to trade the pound against the US dollar, the liquidity is not necessarily going to be there. So just you know, do think about that. Uh, but let's get on to the quick fires, um, and we'll we'll both have a go at this, and we'll we'll review it mid mid December uh, to see how we actually got on. World Cup winner, uh, Argentina. I'm going Brazil. Yeah, it was, it was between the two it, South Americans, but my right. but my boss is Argentinian, so I have to go with that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Top scorer, uh, well, I think maybe obviously I would say Messi, but I'm actually going to go with the Ballon d'Or winner, Benzema. Benzema, uh, do you know what? I'm I'm going to, and I've I've changed my mind so much on this. I'm I'm going to go for Neymar because I think Brazil will go all the way. But I saw a really interesting post that someone said Memphis to pie um, because just because France's group is is pretty on paper easy and then their 
group game against or their their knockout game against Wales or USA, assuming England win the group is is pretty easy. Takes pens, scores well for for the Netherlands, and generally speaking, six goals wins the top scorer. But I'm not mm-hmm. going for him, so I just said that for to make myself sound smart. Um, player of the tournament, uh, Messi. If Argentina win, I'm going. I'm still going. Still going Messi. I think he will absolutely set it alight, but I think he'll just fall short. But I think they'll still give it to him. Young player of the tournament. Uh, I'm going to look to to local for that. I'm going to go either Jude Bellingham. Player. Uh, I'll stick with Jude Bellingham. Or my other option was possibly Pedri for for Spain and Barcelona. But Bellingham. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if if Bellingham does well, you've got to imagine England will as well, which would be great. Uh, Vinny Jr. for me, for, for Brazil. Uh, how far will England go? Semi-finals. And I think in current form, we'd be overachieving that. with that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's set to be quarters against France, isn't it? So I think we'll beat France, actually. Uh, so yeah, semis, overachievers? Um... Denmark, Uruguay for me. Yeah, um, I was, I was, I was thinking. Uruguay, yeah, I think, they, yeah. I think they, they look like they've got a tidy squad with your Darwin, your main man, Darwin Nunez. Yeah, underachievers yeah. to wrap up our quick fires. Uh, I'm gonna go Belgium. It's not great, great squad. No. Just don't, don't ever, ever live up to what they should. Yeah, I'm gonna go France. I mean, they've got too many injuries. Um, to 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 do well, and I think they'll go out to England in the quarters. Actually, do you know what? I think Denmark will beat them in their group. So I don't think even England will play France. But uh, yeah, that wraps it up and we'll review that, see how many we we got right. Uh, Our first key subject today, as everyone cheers at home, uh, that we've moved on, is uh, is Amazon. So the rumour was that they're getting rid of 3% of their staff, number totaling to around 10,000 employees. What are your thoughts on that and on Amazon as a whole? I mean, it's, it's been an incredibly tough year for tech uh, and this news on the face of it doesn't sound amazing although sometimes these things can be a silver lining for investors you hear these stories and you look at the share prices and they've actually gone higher from there as you know the company sort of readjust to current conditions yeah look i mean i think they're going to need a little bit of something um to just like all of tech at the minute it's been a really tough year to date um but interestingly um it's still very expensive uh, mm-hmm. It's actually trading at 66 times forward earnings, especially when we think about other valuations that have been been crushed from those other tech sort of names. You've got, you know, obviously Meta trading at sort of nine times, 10 times forward earnings. So that was pretty interesting for me. Um, shares are down 40% compared to that um, year to date. Uh, and it got crushed, crushed pretty hard after earnings as well a few weeks ago, which you and Mr. McGregor uh, covered stupendously, I must say. Thank but yeah. Um, no worries. Uh, but yeah, look, as you say, the latest news is that they're planning to cut 10,000 jobs, which sort of could start as early as, as this week. And it will be the largest cut in numbers history. But I think for context, it, it's not a, a big cut in terms of percentage wise. Um, in 2001, they cut 15% of their staff. This current layoff is is big, um, but it's only 3% of corporate employees. And just one percent of its global workforce it employs over one million people. Um, so you know, again, grand scheme of things, it's uh, it, it's it's minor. Um, mm. 
But I think it's worth noting as well, on top of that, that Amazon did double its workforce in the two years after the pandemic. So from 2020 to now, they've doubled that workforce. And that came after obviously the most profitable sort of era they've had on record when we had consumers flocking to, you know, online shopping, um, it's cloud computing services. Then they sort of channeled all of that profitability into expansion and, you know, experimenting new things, right? They moved really heavily into um, obviously streaming. They're even moving into medical services now. But as we know, that that obviously has since slowed down. We're now seeing growth at its slowest rate in decades. Mm-hmm. We've got this higher cost now that's coming from this expansion. And that's obviously weighing on, on costs. And at the same time, we've obviously got shopping habits that are changing. We've got consumers returning back to brick and mortar stores. Uh, and then obviously inflation, you know, that's denting sales at the same time. So I think all of that, you know, adds adds in. And, and again, I guess while we're on it, we probably should cover the the point that we're talking about. This is a, as a bit of broader, right? We're, yeah. we're looking at a, a multitude of layoffs across the whole tech space, right? Elon Musk, he's halved Twitter's headcount this month. Um, just come straight in, just slice <laughs> it in half. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, we've got Meta, obviously, you know, uh, Facebook and Instagram, they're laying off 11,000 employees. Yeah. That's 13% of its workforce. Then you've got Lyft, Stripe, Snap, Salesforce could go on, but they've yeah. all, you know, started the, the the layoff of workers as well. And I think the difficulty for for uh, these tech companies is was there was such a demand when we had um, the obviously um, uh, when we had COVID and we had so many people wanting um staff and then sort of in the first you know maybe 11 months of the year really because we've only just started seeing these layoffs there was a huge demand for talent right we saw these big tech companies paying bonuses and millions of dollars to try and retain talent and keep talent now it's just gone completely the other way um and of course i think it's worth noting this is of course an unfortunate situation for the employees um and those that are losing their jobs but hopefully in this sort of current you know, market would mean that this tight labor market means that they find work straight away. But, you know, if we're looking back at shareholders and what it means, which is sort of the the core point here, it's positive because we then see that reduction of costs. It's obviously then we're going to be seeing higher profits. So layoffs will often stabilize things and and will improve investor sentiment. So again, not great for employees and you've got to feel for them. But again, for shareholders, you know, it's what they want to see at this time. Yeah, good lesson there, I think, for a lot of newer maybe even medium experienced sort of investors there that actually sometimes on the face of it what sounds like a bad headline for investors can end up being half decent um as i mentioned a few minutes ago uh we had the latest uk inflation number out um it came in uk people brace yourself for this 11.1 percent which is the highest for 41 wow. years to set the scene That's crazy you're crazy mental I mean, you set the scene before this announcement um, and we go back to September, it was 10.1%. So it's a, a full percentage point jump there, which is, is quite drastic. Uh, and the the expectations for this release, which is always the most important thing, was 10.9%. So 0.2% of a beat there, um, which, is, I mean, listen, the headline that you're going to see everywhere on your BBCs, your Skies, your news-wise is going to be highest for 41 years, 11.1%. We'll talk about a silver lining in a bit. But what's really crazy to think that is the Bank of England in two years' time think that inflation is going to fall to 1.4%. Uh, I've, listen, I'm not sure how accurate these predictions can be, to be honest, but 
I think everyone at home, cross your fingers right now if you're in the UK, because yeah, that would be a minor miracle at this point. Um, reasons why we're here then at 11.1% gas and electricity costs were behind the bigger push higher that we had. And that's actually despite the introduction of the recent energy price guarantee, which has provided some support for UK households with their bills through to, to April. And actually without that, uh, ONS reckon it would have been 13.8% this inflation number. So big up Liz Truss. I don't know if we can say that, um, but there we go. Uh, yeah, really interesting. Also, food uh, and non-alcoholic drinks saw a sharp rise of 16.4% for the October reading. But look, the headline there, highest inflation reading since 1981. The silver lining, which, and I had a little browse over Twitter, you know, shout out to the FT for at least mentioning this in, in their article. And I think the market reaction is is off this story, which is relatively muted 51 minutes later. Um, so the silver lining is the core inflation number stayed in line with the previous release at 6.5%. So that hasn't gone anywhere. And that's taking out those volatile assets. Uh, so that's pretty good. And the pound against the US dollar, I'm just going to look literally right now at 750 is pretty much exactly where it was before that release so don't let the headline fool you uh today um we don't just have uk inflation out of the uk this week and, and jeremy hunt who's the chancellor pledged to take tough but necessary decisions on tax and spending in tomorrow or thursday's uh, autumn statement to help bring down inflation uh, and he did go on to say we cannot have long-term sustainable growth with high inflation Absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, tomorrow, I will set out a plan to get debt falling, deliver stability and drive down inflation while protecting the most vulnerable. And of course, the most vulnerable were the most affected by this inflation reading. And uh, mm. they reckon it was about 15% for the poorest households. I think Thursday, tomorrow for global markets, you can see very limited reaction. But I think for the pound, it could be half volatile. But Josh, on that headline number, I bet you're you're happy you moved to Australia. Uh, yeah, but it's still, I, think, I reckon it's probably still cost me more to buy a lettuce here. So, um, but yeah, look, I, it's, it's, it's awful. You know, that's going to be more economic pain, especially when yeah. we talk about that autumn statement, right? Um, it's going to be more economic pain in the short term for those sort of foundations for that later recovery. Um, but again, just let it get way out of hand. You know, yeah. the Bank of England should have, and I can't believe they they haven't moved quicker on this with with rates. I mean, look, the the Fed again will question it over, you know, um, the, their jumbo hikes and how fast they have moved into interest rates. But look, inflation has come down. You know, it, it's starting to. We we have hopefully seen that peak. But eleven percent is absolutely crazy. Look, I know the energy side of it is is different, and it's um, you know, there is more pain with the energy side of it, but. Yeah, I mean, that is just a crazy number, isn't it? 11.1%. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Highest in 41 years. Final subject today is 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 just a wrap and hopefully more positive um, on the earnings season so far, the US specifically, I guess. How do we review this? Good, bad or ugly? Um, and there's a great page on, on Finviz, which I'm sure many people use, where you can see the earning day performance of all the companies in the S&P 500. And it'll be like really light green if it's super positive to really bright red if it's super negative and it's on a scale uh, and i i got people in my office just to have a quick look at the screen and say what what color sticks out to you without them really knowing what it was um and, it, and they, they 
the, the common answer was green, seeing more green. So Good. on the face of it, I guess we're seeing things more positively. Well, that's a, yeah, it's a good start. I mean, if that is called green, fundamental then... analysis, right? there. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what, that's what, that's what, <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's what we offer. That is what color, <laughs> what colors you notice the most green. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's going to be, there'll be analysts that look at this both ways, but I'm a glass half full kind of man. So I'm going to say it's been another better than expected quarter. Mm. We have had some high profile misses, um, but, the market has reacted well to what we have had and we've had some strong performance in there. We've had over 90% of the S&P 500 companies report so far and 69% of those have report earnings above estimates. It's slightly below the average, but actually those beating expectations are are being rewarded. Um, companies that have report, reported positive earning surprises for in Q3 have seen an average price increase of 2.4%. Um, afterwards, that's compared to the five-year average price increase of 0.9% for companies reporting positive earning surprises. So there's a big difference. Um, and it just shows that the market is rewarding those companies that can perform in this time. Um, growth has been around 4% on earnings. Markets were expecting less than this. I think that's sort of pretty much in line with maybe the sort of the consensus. But again, that was a consensus that I think a lot of people thought would be miss. But again, it's not fantastic, probably a little bit underwhelming, but again, positive wise, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's not worse than it could mm. have been. Um, the, the, I think the biggest probably takeaway is that probably profit margins are being squeezed. That's obviously the, the sort of the inflation side of it, obviously with what we're seeing in the UK and obviously in the U S even here in Australia sales growth, though, that remains above pre pandemic levels. That's obviously companies benefiting from higher prices and offsetting that, that sort of inflation pressure. But sales or revenue estimates have sort of come under pressure as well. Um, so as we know, that forward guidance has been huge, as we say a lot on on the podcast, Sam. But it's that guidance that markets are focusing on these days, um, whether that's higher interest rates, whether that's recession risks, whether that's you know a slowdown in consumer demand that's on its way. Um, but again, guidance has been key. And then I think another sort of focus has been you know again we had that focus on you know chip makers we had a bit of positivity in the last few days obviously from from buffett and, and i guess that's a good point to mention we've still got nvidia tomorrow as well which which may yep. see a bit of a boost as well from from buffett's taiwan semiconductor investment um but again yeah we're seeing downgrades but i think this is expected from investors and, and markets you know are expecting that in this current environment um and pretty much i think if we look at markets now all of those stocks that missed i would say have recovered if not gained more than what they lost you know before they reported earnings meta amazon you know i'd go out on a whim here to say i think you know meta fell below was down at 92 dollars it's above 105 dollars now obviously again the key rally came from from the inflation data we know that but it just shows that um a little bit of good news is is sort of going a long way um but i think q4 earnings is going to be really important i think we probably say that every quarter um but it's going to be a test because earnings growth forecast has continued to drop as those companies downgrade guidance and as of now bloomberg estimates has earnings actually contracting in q4 by one percent so that could be the real start of um this sort of downturn in earnings you know when we get a recession we see earnings drop by you know 20 percent 
So that's something to sort of really keep an eye on to see how these companies navigate uh, this sort of end of year period. But at the same time, uh, it's also the strongest period for for a lot of company sales, right? Amazon, uh, Apple, retails, etc. They're gonna. Are, are we gonna see inflation really? Uh, take 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 a bite out of the, the household budgets or are consumers continuing to spend retail sales data so far has continued to show that we are still spending um but there's going to be a line to that soon and and, and does that come over christmas uh, we will see yeah consumer spending so so important for that u.s economy um i was in the office yesterday and and ben laidler ran over to me like he was so excited he was like there's there's literally nothing coming out of, of uh, big data releases over the next sort of couple of weeks. Uh, and with, like the immediate reaction I got from this was, okay, par for the least resistance markets are going to love it and just push higher and higher, which of course, you know, there was uh, there was a headline, wasn't there geopolitically, which I don't think is actually as bad as, as people uh, originally thought last night, but um, that it is a key point. You add the world cup in there and I'm sorry to get again to talk about this, but also with I there apologize. being no real key, key data points this week, UK, unfortunately, but it's not relevant right now for the global move of markets. And next week too, really until that week of the sort of the 14th of the Fed, the, the 13th of the inflation number, really there's there's it's going to be a relatively quiet period. And markets could really like that following two very strong inflationary metrics from last Thursday and yesterday for markets. The worry for me might be if markets get carried away, what the Fed officials have to then come out and say, be like, well, well, well calm calm down mm. and it could be jackson hole 2.0 all over again but one thing just to bear in mind that the liquidity certainly next week is going to be quiet not because of the world cup but because of thanksgiving so thanksgiving thursday mm. the 24th and, and the 25th i mean historically this is one of the quietest weeks of the year you had the world cup in there and it's likely to be as quiet so investors just bear that in mind if you were to go hell for leather next thursday because that's the best day for trading take a take a little bit of a step back and on that bit of wisdom we'll wrap it there um josh as always it's been an absolute pleasure to have uh, you on it's my pleasure sam thank you everyone for listening and uh, i'll speak to you all next week take care hopefully with england winning the first game take care all bye-bye You've been listening to Digest and Invest from eToro. For more information, visit eToro.com.